Welcome to In the Landscape, a podcast on all things landscape design and care related with your hosts, Kate and Charles Sadler. All right, we're here for another episode of In the Landscape, our weekly landscape design and care podcast from me, one of your hosts, Kate Sadler, and Charles Sadler, (laughs) co-host. Very hard to uh, diversify that intro, but you know, our last last episode was all about diversity, so we do try to change it up a little just to keep it fresh, just so you know you're listening to a new episode and not, (laughs) not the same one over again. And we are in studio at home this week. We're still at our little home studio and recording conversations that we hope will interest and educate and entertain and and provide some insight into what it's like to run a landscape design business, but also provide recommendations for your own landscape practice, whether it's as a professional or an enthusiast and and yet today our topic is going to be just a little bit different. We do this occasionally where we share some of our tips for some of the other like multimedia things we do. Mm-hmm. So you you write articles, you teach classes, you speak on the topic of landscape care. We obviously do a podcast. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we thought we'd share some of our insights from this process and hopefully for anyone out there listening who thinks this might be a medium that they'd like to tackle, I'd encourage that. So hopefully we'll give you some hints for how to get that done. We usually get caught up on kind of the week's business, hopefully not to the extent that folks feel like skipping, although <laughs> that happens, <laughs> but it is kind of what's going on and a little bit exciting. So let's see, this last week we unveiled tool sales, which was very exciting. Oh, right. Yeah, we've actually sold a couple tools. So we're starting to ship out uh, the special brand that we decided to to partner with, Bergen mm-hmm. and Ball. And our goal was, I guess, again, this is this is maybe if this is your if your business also, to help folks who are searching online kind of get a direct feed to a quality product. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I go to Amazon and I'm looking at those reviews and I have no idea what's happening. Right. <laughs> well, actually, you know what it stems from too is being someone who's not originally, this is not my field. And I'm learning. I learn as I go. So I would come to you with like, a, well, can we just buy this thing? And you'd be like, absolutely not. That's, right. like, that's never going to work. It was a challenge because there were brands that we were familiar with, mm-hmm. but it was not easy to become a retailer of those. Right. Or there was a certain brand and they have two tools that we like and nothing else. And that's not so practical. Right, yeah. And then there were suppliers that were very geared toward I mean selling almost anything under the sun any kind of product Mm -hmm. but the quality was poor so it took quite a while this Bergen and Ball has a pretty big range from very basic tools to enthusiast tools to professional tools Mm -hmm. the prices are pretty reasonable for what they are Mm -hmm. and so it enables us to be a retailer and make a, a reasonable profit and we can stand behind it too, which is very important. We don't want to put our name on something <laughs> if they're not tools we wouldn't use ourselves. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting because as you're evaluating what you're going to do in your business, you're saying, is there a need? And and I suppose we might think like, who on earth would get into online sales when there are, you know, entities like Amazon out there that just do it on a on a massive scale? And the answer might be, if this is a fit for you and, and your organization, just Yes, but then that breeds confusion that there's not a lot of like you you're not walking into the hardware store and saying, 
to the person in the aisle, like, what do you recommend? Kind of take me through the options. And so right. it's, it's basically going into it with that perspective. And so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Not every entrepreneurial endeavor is a success. But There's for those- been lots of interest and excitement, actually. We've had yeah. like a fair amount of orders and enthusiasm. Well, and I think that's the thing with retail. If you're following a certain model where you're essentially like your role is as the curator of the, I, like if you've ever been in a boutique store and, mm-hmm. and had that experience of like everything is delightful, whatever it is, whether it's a men's haberdashery or, you know, a store with the, the little villages that light up <laughs> alongside, oh, right. you know, like jewelry, <laughs> that there's just something about the people who have put that shop together where they have gotten to do that process of saying what would be delightful when someone walks in and be sort of me curating for them an experience in shopping for this type of item. Right, so, correct. I, I, I think back to... Was it Salsalito? There yes. Was, it was the most amazing toy store. I mean, it, which I had been going to since the eighties, because that I mean, that's how meaningful that toy store was. So is cool. To me. <laughs> there was one that we went to in the Hamptons growing up. So we had relatives that mm-hmm. retired, and we'd go out there. Mm-hmm. It was called the Penny Candy Store. Mm-hmm. And but the one in Salsalito, I got chatting with the owner. I said, "This is these are things I've never seen before. This is incredible. Almost everything you have is is unique to me." And he said, well, I go to the Tokyo Toy Show. Like, he'd go every two years. He would go to the Javits Center in New York every year. I mean, how do you get amazing? It's uh, like quite an effort. He's not just buying what's readily available. Mm -hmm. He's really seeking. And I think we take that approach to education, to now selling something, that it's, we're on a mission. We're like, we're searching, you know? So it's not, this is available. (laughs) We're going to slap this uh, sticker on it and sell it. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I suppose there are nurseries like that. We have one here right nearby, actually, that's like a water plant nursery oh, right. and stuff. So there are, you know, there, it's an element of, I guess, you know, retail sales that I had never really thought of before is kind of like a special way to get into the, into the business, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. so just something to think about for our other business folks out there. And if you are, you know, doing something similar and you want to give us shout out and, and reach out to us and, and mention what, what you, what exciting things you have found and you're offering to your customers, feel free to let us know. You know, we're always open to the dialogue. So that's pretty cool. Also, topiary. We've been doing more topiary because we keep getting requests. I think based on our website, <laughs> kind of talking about topiary. Mm-hmm. So there is a need. Again, I don't know. This wasn't supposed to be an entrepreneurship episode, but it's, it's kind of leaning that direction. There's just something about the potted topiary that one buys to my eye. And, and I'm sure it's not, well, I don't know what the cause is, but it almost deteriorates rapidly is what is my right. feeling about it. Like, oh, Agreed. you buy something, but then it's almost like cut flowers. Like you're not, you jazz it up for Christmas and then it's done. What, right. what is going on there? Well, with the like terms that are, I say, misused. So there's a term like to repot something. Uh-huh. And so that what that actually means, like horticulturally, you take something out of a pot, you maybe change the soil, you put it back into the same pot. Okay. Which what pe- people don't actually mean that. What they mean is, I'm going to repot it. I'm going to put it in a bigger pot. That's actually called potting it up. Okay. So most plants you buy, which could be topiary, a potted topiary, mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty rare that it's going to have room to grow. Hmm. So it is like, like our son that's at two years. So it's like, he's like 24 month close. 
I mean, he's like 24 months and his clothes are, he's sort of at the limit sometimes. Right, yes. Yeah. He really needs to be like 3T is what it's called in the U.S. <laughs> and so when you buy plants in a pot, they are like at the limit. And that seller, like when you buy lettuce at the supermarket, it's only going to last for a few days. So it's a big misnomer, like you buy it and then for the rest of its life, it's going to live in that pot. So you need really to thrive it. There needs to be a fair amount of interventions. I see. Where it needs to be in the right amount of sunlight. So that would be based on the species. Evergreen topiary, it was growing out in the open. Mm-hmm. It was probably at a mm-hmm. nursery somewhere in North Carolina or in Oregon or wherever that was, or in a greenhouse in Ontario or <laughs> British Columbia. So it was getting fertilizer, irrigation, which is quite artificial. Mm-hmm. And so on that, it could live in a pot a long time if it was getting drip irrigation and being fertilized heavily mm-hmm. and then being sheared regularly. It, but that's when you get it, it's, it more or less needs an intervention, which is being repotted, uh, make sure the sun is correct, and then having someone that knows the, the timing of the pruning. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, I mean, I guess the impression is almost like it's purchased like an accessory or a piece of furniture with the assumption that it's been put into this shape, it's going to stay, it's going to be this static ent- entity. Mm-hmm. And it maybe they don't come with instructions or, or whatever, because it, it really is the kind of thing that you could see at the nursery and say, ooh, and, and buy it and like, oh, I know a, a perfect spot for this. Maybe there's a gap somewhere, but you haven't really done the sun shade study. You know, you're not thinking in terms of species because you're just looking at the form. Right. And then you're kind of like put slotting it in and then it's not a good fit. It's interesting because it takes just as much work as any other plant to get it right. It sounds like. No, boxwood topiary. So that would be a shape of some sort that's potted that would live for in a container that grows pretty slowly. So a when a plant is grown with a single trunk that would not normally grow that way, it's called a standard. Mm-hmm. And you could grow an herb that way. You could grow a rose that way. So it's like a single trunk and then a globe. Or... So boxwood in that condition, it grows so slowly. So that is a little more foolproof. Oh, that's good but it's, since it grows slowly, they're quite expensive. I mean, so mm-hmm. it'd be hundreds of dollars for one, like for a reasonably sized globe, it could be hundreds of dollars. So what's more available are faster growing plants, mm-hmm. which very quickly lose their shape. Mm-hmm. And so we get called in to renovate those. And they're quite high maintenance. So they're less expensive up front. So unfortunately, there's not a lot of education when you're at that point of purchase. This is $125 and this is $275. I'm going to get the $125 one, which might go downhill quickly. Well, it's nice to be in a position to be responsive to a need that's out there and then find part of then our mission, I guess, is to figure out how to get the word out. So it's it's great that people find us on our website and we communicate with clients directly, mm-hmm. often for a fee, because um, <laughs> that's how our business works. But we also, you know, are sort of mission driven to get information out generally because it's, you know, our specialized work is not always the right fit for every person who could use help with their plants. And plants and people benefit when there's more more information and 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 greater skills being kind of disseminated. So Mm -hmm. 
So that kind of leads us into our topic today now that we're (laughs) several minutes in, but hopefully, um, I mean, I found that interesting. So we're going to kind of talk about why we're doing a podcast and how we put it together. Mm -hmm. We've gotten over a year's worth of episodes, which is kind of stunning. It's like, I mean, closer to, I guess, getting toward a year and a half. Yeah. Because it was about June. Well, yeah, that we officially started. And then in terms of number, I think this will come out as episode 65. So there've been a couple of weeks, we've taken a couple of weeks off here and there, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but for the most part, it's been this consistent weekly conversation and one which I think I feel like continuing and I think you do too, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's some weird draw to sit down and record and hopefully not just listen to the sound of our own voices, but really be sharing with people out there. And we get feedback every now and again right. um, from our listeners, which is really, really gratifying. And thank you for that. And we always welcome more. I always say that. Just yeah, the encouragement when I reach out to people, they'll say, oh, keep doing it. I enjoy it. <laughs> so thank you. We appreciate every single one of you. Mm-hmm. It's really remarkable. We appreciate the encouragement. Yeah, absolutely. So there are so many podcasts out there. So does anyone else need to start a new podcast? I mean, you know, you might think no, but I think what I love about it is that there's such a low bar to entry. All you really need is hopefully a good microphone (laughs) and a computer and you can begin recording. Right. So if you have something like a Mac, you can record onto GarageBand. There's a lot of other sort of applications you can download um, that will help you do the recording itself. You could do the editing yourself if you want to, although I'm a big fan of paying for that work because it is intense. (laughs) It was a pretty low cost. Per episode. Like for for us. Like like our time, we would bill out like much higher than than to pay someone for that. Yeah, currently. Plus it's hard. It's, you know, I don't have a good headset. I'm not, you know, I'm not looking at the at the, you know, waveform or whatever it's called and like marking out like, oh, that's clearly a cough or whatever. I can just cut that out. So, you know, it's a skill that I'm sure one gets better at. But essentially, once you've done all that, you have an episode. And and really what that amounts to is kind of like a recording for posterity of your thoughts Mm -hmm. and ideas on a subject. Is it going to be interesting to someone else? (laughs) We didn't know. I mean, we weren't sure. Right. Put it out there. I mentioned doing it. And what was your reaction when I did? Mm, Initial reaction, I bet... I'm going to guess it was, I was enthusiastic, but I was a little skeptical. Mm. Like, can we really do that? Like, will there be, if I remember correctly, you were taking in your PhD work, a was arts entrepreneur and technology course, right? Yeah. And so it was part of an assignment to delve in, um, I mean, more or less to the software, the technology. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I think that gave you confidence as I recall that it is, it is straightforward. You know, you follow these steps, you record. It wasn't necessarily linear, but I think that gave you the encouragement because you were more or less forced in an assignment to do that type of research that was parallel to the to a podcast. Right. Okay. That's a good that's a good point. And some of what allowed us, I think, to develop this as a as a podcast is <laughs> is that you like to talk. So. I do. I am a talker. <laughs> so you would share with me. Oh, I'm reading this biography. This thing happened. There's this, that, and the other. And I'm like, you know what? We should just do a podcast and like record the things that you find interesting. And if we find an audience, great. If not, that's okay too. I am. I mean, the amount of books, like, I'll, I'll delve into topiary deep more deeply. 
So I had some books on it. I think I purchased probably a half dozen really specific books. And then I combed through those and then I, ideas come out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's often related to a project. Right. Like we have a, we're taking on a project now. It's like, it's going to be a, a public space of some sort. Mm-hmm. And so I'm doing lots of more or less architectural research. What's, what are precedents for this type of a space right. in this region of the country? And so some weeks it is hard to come up with an episode, but very often we'll jot down ideas. We have one on like greening your landscape, sort of like the ecology of landscape, like ecological landscape design. Obviously we have certain sort of, I don't know, philosophies of practice that show up and, and that mm-hmm. is one of them. So it's not like we've never touched on it, but we think we can go further. And then another based on this public project is is the idea of like vernacular. Like how do you do authentic vernacular design without having it be pastiche, I think is the word. Right. Yeah. So we did have an employee who was working for us briefly who helped kind of point us in the right direction because one oh, of... Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. He was, was that two summers ago? Yeah. He had I, a background in, he was recording, I think he worked at is it Electric Ladyland Studio? It's where it's like Jimi Hendrix's studio in New York City. That's where he was doing a internship, or he was doing that part time. He was working for us part time. Right. So there was sort of a confluence of events. But one of the keys, I think, to kind of conceptualizing that you could do a podcast is you don't like record it and then Apple picks it up and syndicates it. It's not like you need a network to produce your podcast. You can essentially produce it, then have it hosted on a hosting site. So we use Podbean. If you're listening to us on Podbean, hello, thank you. (laughs) And there are others. Anchor, I think is one. Gosh, they're not coming to mind, but I don't need to rep them. I mean, you, you can check it out. So you go there and then essentially your episodes are sort of like held in their cloud space. Right. And they generate a link that you then send off to Apple Podcasts, Spotify. There's like a Google Amazon podcast. Music, I think now. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the how it works and why it's a low bar to entry. So you're all of a sudden streaming on a mega platform like Apple, which we've charted on every once in a while. Right. That's pretty exciting. thrilling because that's like the top, yeah. the top 30 yeah. in a category. Yeah. So, is it home and leisure or something like that? Or yeah. leisure and then home and garden Gar- yeah. is a subcategory within yep. leisure. So getting your categories right is is important. You often get a boost when you first emerge on the scene. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of um, you know, if you have if you have a short, if you have a a season that you want to produce and you want to do like 10 episodes on one topic, and then that's kind of it, you know, that's good. But if you think you can keep up a specific schedule. You know, really think that through because there is something to the continuity. And I don't just mean, you know, we've taken a week off here or there. It'd be great if we had, we're going to try to get some back episodes so we can actually plug one in when that happens. But really, it's it's to keep going over a couple of years, you know. Because when I study, I'll find this podcast, maybe it's a firm or some kind of, of a designer, and then they have a podcast. I mean, some of their credibility, you look, it's like, wow, they they go back three years or four years with with their producing. There's other categories I'll find. It might be from a university or another institution and the subject I'll be so excited about, but they haven't done one in four years. Yeah. So then the credibility is sort of like, huh? Well, yeah, it's an interesting psychology there. It's like, it's still, it's still a, uh, you know, you may, you may 
pick it up and listen to it. But I think we tried to make sure we had 10 or 15 episodes that we thought we could do before we even got started so that we didn't like hit a wall partway through and then give up and then be one of those like six episode podcasts that doesn't go anywhere. Like we did sketch out. Yeah, I'm always writing down ideas on the smartphone memo pad. Mm -hmm. I'll be out in the world, I'll get an idea. I'll run it by you. And then sometimes it's like, well, that's a little too specific. We need to, you know, enlarge upon it or... That might be a few categories. Well, and we have even been in the middle of recording something and it was like, we've spared our listeners from having to listen to it because it just did not go anywhere. And rather than like release a 15 minute weird episode, we just kind of scrapped it and said, does this need to be a part of a different topic or, or what is going into it? So, you know, even if you don't amass a, a following right away or even ever, it's a little like writing. One of our most popular episodes is writing about the landscape. And I think maybe Mm -hmm. that's what inspired this episode because not all of us want to sit down and write. Some of us are more comfortable with, with the spoken kind of spoken word format and you're still researching. You're still keeping your own hand in the industry because you are producing educational. I think of it as educational, possibly edutainment you're producing something, you're thinking about it, you're talking about it, you're discussing it, and then hopefully letting other people find it. Right. I mean, I feel that we're out in the world so much, I mean, more than I've ever been. Like Mm. when I've been an employee, I wasn't really out in the world. You know, I, I go on appointments. I wasn't drawing conclusions like, oh, I see this trend. Right. But since we're business owners and we're out in the world quite a bit, I mean, in quite a few states, Mm-hmm. And people will consult us from other countries. They might have a project here. So we definitely see trends. But yeah. when we get like six phone calls about people are in a panic, like our orchards, because of the weather, they're now growing. We were going to prune them. It's too late. So we'll see, I think we're, we have this insight mm-hmm. where we get con- called on to consult throughout the North America. So we get quite, I mean, sort of behind the scenes insight. Mm-hmm. And there's a nice way to share that in a, like in an, Anonymous way, of course, because yeah, some of these projects are there's like privacy is huge. Um, it's yeah. huge, right? Well, and I will say one of the challenges has been doing, and so maybe don't let this deter you, but think about it. Like one of the challenges is that this is a visual medium that we're describing in an auditory kind of space. You know, I have always thought that you're you are good at the verbal descriptions. Like you you do a good. Whoa, we've got some thunder out there. Yeah, some Texas weather. Yeah, that you've always done a good job of kind of describing the way things appear. And so that's certainly, it's certainly possible and something to think through as you're either writing or researching your episodes on this, that, you know, occasionally it may fall a little flat for listeners. Hard Hard to say, but I guess what I'm getting at is it kind of impelled us then to think about the classes. Where it's like, well, we're describing these design principles, but then how do we help convey what it really looks like to see the silhouettes of these trees and think through how that fits in terms of your your design and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's not like podcasts are the the only medium in which you might want to work or that they do everything for everyone. But there is certainly an opportunity if, again, if you feel like you have something to say and maybe the writing is not for you to, to still feel like you have a voice. I'm reading a biography now about an architect. And so 
they'll refer to, oh, he grew up at this address, which is still there, you know, because it's a living architect. And so I'll zoom out and I'll go to a maps and I'll say, oh, look at, look at that. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, you know, humble apartment building in Los Angeles where he lived. So with people's uh, listeners feedback, they said, oh, I was driving when I listened to this episode, but I'm going to re-listen to it and write down the gardens you suggested. Right. So yeah. I've heard that quite a bit. I mean, oh, that, 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 yeah, that's true. And I actually have done that with my own, the podcasts I listen to for fun. Is, right. You know, I, I'll look up those topics later and, and take a look. And so it is, there is overlap. I mean, like with the, if you're reading, that's a limited media, which it draws on your imagination though. That's true. And they say to read is, it's to tell yourself a story. Mm, so you're mm-hmm. reading words, someone that someone else wrote, but you're seeing it through your own experience. Sure. And I think the podcast is similar. It's like people are listening and then it fires your imagination, hopefully. Mm-hmm. So I was reading up a little bit on podcasts and it hadn't occurred to me, but there are other applications for podcasts. So if you're not aiming to monetize your podcast tomorrow, which believe me is not easy to do, you can, I mean, kind of like we do. So we, in a way we use it to promote our business or to give our clients a sense of our, our legitimacy, you know, because mm-hmm. we can always refer them to an episode or it can supplement, you know, they're going to try to do some boxwood pruning on their own. So we'll send them resources we have. So, and, and because we're a for-profit business, we can share some of the, we can say, buy our tools, visit our classes. So it's almost like we're our own sponsor in a way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're not getting click promo codes for, and what are some of them like? Like, like Quip, what? that toothbrush that I bought because I listened oh, to podcasts. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really silly, but it was effective. I finally, after like how many listens, it's like, I need one of those. <laughs> and with so. the clients, I've referred clients to an episode. I think, yeah. you know, we really yeah. delve into this sub, like privacy screening or, or you're out designing the outdoor room. Mm-hmm. And we've had, I mean, our business funnel, so to speak, of leads that turn into clients or consulting, it's gone. Someone might have done a search and said, oh, I want to buy a tool for this service or I'm going to buy or a class like Curb Appeal. And then it turns into, they take the class, they had, and they found it useful, but they say, I, need to, I really need to hire you. This is like more complicated. Mm, that does happen, yeah. And then we became, they became a design client. And then for existing clients or for colleagues, it's a way to stay in touch too. I've also seen, though, that some organizations will use it as the way to communicate to employees or to educate. So we might have a little, uh, we might say, episode 10, 36, 40. This is your sort of like introduction to King Garden. <laughs> like oh, you got to right. listen to these. And this kind of describes, you know, the language that we use to describe these services. And so if you're going to be on our sales team, go ahead. This is your primer. There's a lot of wisdom to kind of taking down almost like the oral history of our company and, and the way we work. It can be used as a way to just internally as a blog to record your own thoughts if that's what you want to do. And again, as an alternative to writing and possibly even something that maybe it's not being streamable on a big platform, but something that you send out. So, you know, the really big podcasts will hold back episodes that they'll share with their supporters or whatever. But maybe you do a special podcast that's for people on your 
mailing list only. And you're like, it's mm-hmm. a, you know, our special holiday greeting or something. I don't know. I don't know that people are that enthusiastic about this show, but it's, it's kind of a nice idea that you, mm-hmm. as long as you feel you have a facility with the basic infrastructure, so the basic recording equipment and editing, and then a place to house that file that someone can click on a link and stream it, then you're good to go. And then the possibilities are sort of endless in terms of how you use this to, to kind of get out there to other people. I mean, families could even be recording podcasts of their own family history. If, they, mm-hmm. if you know how to do this and you have your little family website, you don't have to stream it to anyone. But, you know, those oral, the way we communicate with each other orally is just such, so primal, sort of. Mm-hmm. They keep track of it. Yeah. So, so a lot of options. And I guess I would encourage people to, to give it a try because it's, and organizations, I think of the Royal Horticultural Society that's in the UK, they have good information on garden how-to, on pruning. Hmm. And so there's having a variety of media. It actually keeps, keeps as a listener or as an interested person, keeps me engaged. So I'll see a, a post on social media. There was like a new exhibit in one of the greenhouses. Right. And then I'll... I'll be, I'll be scrolling through and I'll say, oh, they have, they have a podcast. I didn't realize that. And mm-hmm. I'll listen to it. And the podcast will talk about the new exhibit. And then I'll say, oh, I wonder what that special like begonia looks like that they mentioned. And then you go to the other media and you see it. So mm-hmm. it's this sort of ecosystem. That's like a term you've used. You know, we create mm-hmm. an ecosystem of interest and in that all the different forms like Instagram is just visual. This is just audio, but they, they can work. Right. In harmony. Yeah. Even though each each media is limited, uh, but people's attention is often limited too. So there's, mm-hmm. if I'm scrolling through Instagram, I'm not giving it that much attention. I'm saying, oh, this in- image is interesting. Oh, this firm is doing that. Maybe I'll look at that later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if I'm sitting down to read the newspaper, I'm, for 20, 30 minutes, I'm going to be giving it a, a lot of attention. Well, you know, I think another... I guess this is true of any endeavor, whether it's the entrepreneurship side of things or just just for your own sort of, I mean, this is a bit of an art form. So you just kind of think of it in those terms and experimentation can be key. So interviews may or may not work for you. Like we literally talk to each other, like again, you know, and I guess there's also kind of that axiom, like know your audience. It's one of the reasons we always encourage feedback because we started the podcast with no audience, but suspecting there might be one out there. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you have to go into it knowing your audience because you don't have one yet. So it, you don't have to overthink what an audience might want. If, if you're authentic and kind of true to yourself and, and producing something, if there's an audience, you'll find it. And then you can right. start to like, if there is feedback or a listener question episode or whatever, great. If we could get a little more engaged with the technology of doing quality interviews, because we can't actually sit down with anyone kind of right now with the social distancing, we haven't really tackled the calling them up and making sure the the sound is, is right. in a studio yeah. is the way to do it. Yeah. We're both in a recording studio. And, um, and then you can have, that's how that show Terry Gross, I mean, the other person is in a professional recording studio yeah it's live it's somewhere in the u.s and it's all seamless that's a little more involved but it's definitely possible so you might try it and just find that there are limits to what you can do i mean my mom visited for one episode i'd love to have her on again we're social distancing right now just to keep her her safe and 
you know, so it's nice to try. It's nice to find a rhythm too, and just kind of stick with it and, and make sure some content's getting out there. But even, even for us, I think there are still things we'd like to do, different types of formats we might want to try. Right. We did one on the different scales of design from urban, suburban, rural, mm-hmm. and we've done back to basics for pruning, right. for back to basics for design. Like color was a subset of back to basics. Oh, yeah. 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 We find that that's, there's lots of interest because it's people that are enthusiasts want to know what the basics are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the formula we have that, I think why it's, why it's successful, what we're doing, when you're viewing it through the filter of, is this going to be entertaining? Is this mm-hmm. going to be interesting? Mm-hmm. And then is it educational mm-hmm. also? And then I'm viewing it that I'm enthusiastic about the subject and right. I'm always reading, I'm teaching others, I'm attending educational events all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm reading with our practice. We have so many challenges. So we get called for these I mean, very challenging projects. We have to do lots of behind the scenes research. And so that keeps us engaged. If it didn't go through that filter, it might be me going on and on about something that didn't, that wasn't maybe educational or didn't have entertainment value. Mm, and yeah. so I think the, that there's two of us is very important. Yeah, that does help. But there are some very successful shows that are a single host. They just happen to be carefully scripted ahead of time for the most part, oh, as far point. as I know. That's a, so, if, if it's just a single person. Yeah, so you can certainly think it through if that's the style that's going to work for you. But, you know, take some care. Maybe listen to examples, even if it's not in your genre. Listen to what others have done that's successful and then kind of think through how you might, you know, not copy, but maybe emulate what they're doing. You know, the hardest part I think is sitting down that first time and starting to talk. Now right. it's easy. We sit down as like the microphone feels like it, you know, we're really talking to each other. We're, we're really talking to you, the listener. And so there's this reality to it that I don't think there was the first time where it's like, Hello. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it felt foreign. It did. Yeah. Is that anybody there was, listening? What's like using it? I mean, I'm big into using tools where it's a drawing tool, mm-hmm. a pruning tool. And then when you start using a tool for the first time, it's a little awkward. Yeah. Like it'll be a new drafting pencil. The weighting will be a little different. You just take the practice and then you get comfortable with it. And definitely, if you're unsure, we're not going to make any recommendations on the air, but if you're unsure about what kind of recording equipment to use, there are specific microphones. I'm not using one, and Charles is, and it actually makes a big difference in the sound quality. We actually need to pick up another one soon. But It's so sensitive, actually, the cat. Is, we yeah. think the cat knocked it. Oh, it was, right. It yeah. was on a stand, which is, it's reasonably stable, but the cat knocked it off. It was a professional working. microphone yeah. that fell to the floor. So, having, you know, I mean, if you, hey, if you can set up a professional studio, by all means, go for it. But we are looking forward to like, we, if we ever move to a new space, we're, we're actually thinking like, now where would the podcast studio go? Because <laughs> right. it's that important to have that dedication. So, you know, I mean, enthusiasts, if you want to try to do it professionally, again, it, it is somewhat hard to get to the level that you have enough. Really, it's just based on downloads. Do you have enough listeners? And is a home and garden show going to have is there the audience out there, you know, to just to, to have those numbers? Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe so. That going into it with that in mind may lead to disappointment, certainly early on. So it's really just, what do you have to say? I said I mean, that talk in the about, writing. I mean, yeah. the subject too, I guess we've gone, we found 
we talk about a broader range than we practice day to day. But when it gets too broad, yeah. <laughs> we've found like when, when we're really out of our depths, where it's right. a subject I'm interested in, but I don't really have much experience. Yeah, then you start talking, then you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> right, so be, like the being authentic, Backtrack. like we could be enthusiastic about it. Yeah. And if we don't know, we say, well, we're learning about this subject. Yes, yes. But to talk about it in depth, where you're asking me questions, mm-hmm. I really have to know, it's to be a subject I'm pretty familiar with. Right. Well, and, and so, I've learned a lot in the process too. So there, there's something for that. So I think we're coming to the close of our episode. And is there anything else you'd like to share? Okay, so a principle for the week trial and error. I mean, I think that's how we've got into the podcast. We said, let's give it a try. And then as we go, we assess like what's successful, what's not as successful. In our design practice, we use that all the time where it's like we know what works and it's, it gets a little boring doing just the same thing over and over. So the variety and then stepping back and saying, how successful was that and refining it? Mm-hmm. That's a good practice. Excellent. All right. Well, I hope this was of some interest to uh, some of our listeners and we welcome feedback, as we said. So feel free to drop us a line if there's anything you'd like us to cover in a future episode. Do look forward to the ecology episode and uh, what's the other one? I've forgotten, but more to come. probably just listen to it. So So we're at the end here and and, uh, we're just... I don't know, the brain has stopped working. So it's probably a good time to, to shut it down and just wish you a good day and an opportunity to get into some some lovely landscape in the near future. Mm-hmm. Until then. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. In the Landscape is brought to you by King Garden, a full-service landscape design, care, and education company. Enjoying what you hear on our podcast? We encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. We'd love to hear from you. So drop us a line at connect at kinggardeninc.com. We welcome show ideas, gardening and design questions, and always corrections. We travel all over North America giving garden talks and leading trainings. Check us out at kinggardeninc.com for our speaking details. And also take a look at our online course offerings for more in-depth explorations of topics covered on our show.